Hello, my beautiful Woman Inc. listeners. Welcome back. My guest this week is someone we all know and love, Alicia Silverstone. I am so honored and excited to have Alicia on the podcast. She's just such a genuine, kind human. And I loved this conversation. We may know Alicia from her acting career, which of is iconic, but Alicia is also a dynamic and well-connected fixture in the political and scientific communities, as well as a dedicated activist in the health and wellness space. Alicia co-created the My Kind Organic Vitamin line. If you don't know, it is incredible. It is the first ever food-based organic non-GMO vegan supplement. My Kind Organics is a leader in innovation and sustainability with farm to supplement multivitamins, herbals, targeted nutrients, and gummies. Alicia launched her new iHeartRadio podcast, The Real Heal, dedicated to cutting through the noise and teaching us how to truly heal. Alicia has also chronicled her own journey towards a more conscious way of eating in her first book, New York Times bestseller, The Kind Diet, A Simple Guide to Feeling Great, Losing Weight, and Saving the Planet. Her second book, The Kind Mama, A Simple Guide to Supercharged Fertility, A Radiant Pregnancy, A Sweeter Birth, and A Healthier, More Beautiful Beginning, was released in 2014. Her website, thekindlife.com, continues to serve as a resource for all things healthy, green, and eco-friendly, and helps make life as kind as possible. I adored this conversation. I feel that I walked away just not only learning so much from Alicia, but just feeling so inspired by her energy. She's just such a light and a lovely, lovely human. And I can't wait for you guys to listen in. Now, let's get on over to my conversation with Alicia Silverstone. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. We have so much to talk about. I'm very excited. I am obsessed with your line, by the way, Thank the Mindkind Organics. Thank you. So good. I love how it's whole, whole foods, but we're going to jump into how you started. But I kind of just want to first rewind back and talk about how you first got interested in this space to begin with, coming from obviously being an actress. How did you start to make the pivot into entrepreneur? I just had a problem that I needed to fix sort of situation. The first problem I needed to fix was that my book, The Kind Diet, because I was giving people books, but it was sort of like this personality was, this book was good for this personality. This book was good for this personality. And I wanted a book that was going to be for your every, like basically an Oprah audience, you know, just across the board, that it wasn't going to be offensive, that it wasn't going to be too heady, that it was going to feel really like a friend speaking to you. 
but with all the science and data that you needed to back it all up. And I also needed the other problem I was trying to fix was that I found myself going around talking about this at nauseum. And I just wanted to not have to do that in my life anymore and just have this thing that if you were interested, here's everything I had to say about the subject, right? So that's why I wrote The Kind Diet. I really wanted to make change. I, at the time, I didn't believe that there was one book that I could give out that was good for sort of could cross the board of really being a friendly way of understanding. Also tackling the subject that it wasn't, it wasn't all or nothing. That was my main message to get across, which I think was newer at the time. I wasn't hearing that at the time. It was sort of, I think most people felt like I have to be all the way in. I mean, I heard it from everyone. I can't do it, so I just don't. And it's like, well, what if you can do it a little bit? What if you can do it a little bit more? What if you have information that inspires you to do it as much as possible, and then the rest of the time you don't? That's better than not, right? Every choice you make matters. So for the earth, for your body, for animals, Every time you say no to, you say yes to plant-based food, everybody wins. And the more often you do that, the better. So why not just do it as much as you can? So that was sort of the message I was trying to get across. And also to debunk this myth that, you know, that it had to be boring food. I think that I always heard people say, oh, you know, you're just one of those vegans. You eat like granola and, and tofu and lentils. And by the way, tofu, lentils, and granola are amazing if done right. <laughs> but, uh, but that's not what you're eating. There's like, I'm a foodie. I'm an absolute food snob. So the food that I was wanting to introduce people to do, I wanted to have really beautiful, delicious food that people could be inspired and excited to eat and know that I'm picky. I'm not, I'm not asking you to eat nasty food. I'm asking you to eat delicious food so you're not deprived and you just get to feel your best, look your best and have the best life that you're meant to have. So. All of this started with my love of animals, though. I just was an animal lover. And I woke up one day and when I don't want to eat my dog. And if I won't eat my dog, then why am I eating these other creatures that want love, want to be left alone, want to be pursue their life? They, they feel pain the same way your dog does. They feel fear the same way your dog does. And they feel a good, happy scratch. Like if you scratch a pig, they're like, <laughs> they love it. And pigs are so smart too. So smart. So it started with my love of animals. I decided to change. And when I did, I was 21 when I made the switch, when I finally said no more. And I remember thinking, I may never eat good food again, but this is the right thing for me to do because I know that I cannot look myself in the mirror anymore and say, you're a good person and you're an animal lover while I'm eating animals and contributing to such suffering. And I didn't feel like I could look at my dog anymore. I felt like he was looking at me funny. So I made the change. And when I did, I had allergies. That I, I used to have allergy shots twice a week and an asthma inhaler. Both of those things went away. And my migraine headaches, I used to go to the hospital with migraine headaches and that all went away. And my acne all went away. My nails got so strong that you cannot bend them. And at the time I had really brittle nails. They were always sort of easily breaking and um, very just soft, you know? And my eyes got white. My hair was at that time got so, was just became more and more thick and long and healthy. So, yeah, it worked for me. It changed my health. It changed the way I felt inside because I was standing in my truth and not contributing to suffering. And I wasn't going to be a part of the problem anymore. I could be a part of the solution. 
I felt it energetically also just, you know, that all that gunk coming out of you, all that toxic junk inside of your body lifting out. And I just stood taller. People told me I was glowing. That was fun. And then I wrote the book. And then I wrote The Kind Mama because I would be in prenatal class, you know, prenatal yoga. And I would have moms complaining. We'd go in this particular class I was in, they'd ask you at the beginning of class to go around and each say what you were struggling with, with your pregnancy. And it was like, just this woman had gestational diabetes. This other woman had swollen ankles. This other one was moody, so moody. Another person had um, hemorrhoids. You know, it was just like everything that they had that we know is common things. And I know how to stop that. So then I would grab that person afterwards and go, if you eat this, this, and this, and stop eating this, this, and this, I give them a little prescriptions. This will go away. And I realized, like, I'm only helping these eight women who are in my class who I'm giving those a little prescript, my little prescription of what to stop eating and what to eat more of to avoid those problems. You know, I, me and my hypothesis at the time was that there were a few very specific women in my life who had glorious pregnancies who were just like glowing. I remember the day that my friend Lelania was giving birth, but right before she gave birth, she showed up at Real Food Daily and was like, hey, you know, just (laughs) super happy at the right there that day. And then she gave birth that night. And the, the common thing with all of these women, including myself, was that we didn't have this urge to get the baby out of us. When you're giving birth, you have the urge to give the baby out of you. But I mean, you weren't like, I hate this. Like pregnancy was amazing. Pregnancy was there are parts of it that can be difficult, but in general, there's a real deep, beautiful feeling of this is exactly where I was meant to be. This is exactly what I'm meant to do. My body's doing everything right. It feels better. It feels stronger. This is amazing. And I wanted to offer women an opportunity to help their bodies get pregnant, boost their fertility, to avoid all those common ailments we've come to accept as normal, and to make healthier choices about how to have their birth. And no, like just have a choice, not just do what everyone tells you you're supposed to do and have options to understand the stats on hospital birth versus midwife birth, you know, to know all your options and understand it and then how to kind of take care of your baby once it's there and how not to have all the stuff. Like there's so much unnecessary stuff, the waste of of making a baby where everyone's sort of like, you need this, you need this, you need this. You need very little, barely anything. (laughs) So I feel like I made The Kind Mama, I think it was the book I wanted that I didn't have. And while I was making this book, I realized, and while I was pregnant, so so how the My Kind Organics evolved out of this was I was already writing the book. And at the same time, my during my pregnancy, my midwife said to me, you need to take a prenatal. And I said, why would I need a prenatal? I, I eat so clean. And she says, yes, but what about when you're traveling and it's difficult to get everything you need? How about just have it every once in a while? And I said, okay, I can get behind that as an insurance policy. I'm down with that. That makes sense. So now I started looking. She, I said, well, what, what one should I take? And she told me this name of one. And I looked it up and it was all chemicals. It was vegan. It was all chemicals. Then I went and looked for the best, healthiest ones on the market. They were some food, not organic, definitely GMO wrapped in chemicals. So the best thing on the market was wrapped in chemicals, made of some food, but not organic and not non-GMO, verified. So I just went, wait, what? This is the best we can do? This is insane. And I, I, so I wasn't trying to create a business. I simply thought this is insane. There's nothing I can take 
There's no vitamin on the market that's as clean as how I eat. Well, then, no, I don't want your stupid vitamins. So then I had to go make them. So I went looking for a partner and I thought, well, if I need this, then everybody needs it, but especially I want it. So I'm just gonna make it for myself right now and then for everybody else. (laughs) And so I went looking for a partner and I found um, that Garden of Life got really excited about this idea that I had. And they were, you know, already putting, they had sort of, they do wind, they're very sustainable in how they have their offices and things. They were using solar panels and things like that. So I was quite excited about the way their business practices were. And um, they were eager to do it with me. So we partnered together and we created My Kind Organics. And the amazing thing about My Kind Organics is they are the most pure vitamin on the market. They're the cleanest thing you can get. They are certified organic non-GMO verified, all food-based. There's no fillers, no binders, nothing. There's no added sugar at all. We use organic apple puree, organic peach puree, even when we do extractions. So if you look at most turmeric and adaptogens are extracted using hexane, which is gasoline. So I don't want gasoline added into... First of all, none of them are really doing organic, but let's say they do have an organic piece of turmeric. They're then going to take this organic piece of turmeric and shove it through this process that extracts it using hexane and GMO corn oil. No, thank you. We came up with our own way of doing it that is not that. We also created a clean tablet technology, which is so that when you're making tablets, because some people really just want to swallow a tablet, they are, and they're not the capsules. That's where the people often were using chemicals like magnesium sterate and all that kind of stuff. But we had to come up with, and it took a long time, took a long time to perfect how to wrap a vitamin healthy and not use anything nasty. But we did. So that's our clean tablet technology. Then there's the extraction process. Then there was the gummies. We made a whole line of gummies that we don't use any added sugar. It's just the fruit pectin I told you about. And we don't use, any gelatin, because gelatin is disgusting. I had an imagination of what gelatin was in the past, but when you actually understand what it is, it's basically um, all the like sort of slaughterhouse leftovers. They pour a bunch of acid over it and then they, that to clean it, they're cleaning it with the acid. And then that's what your, that's what gelatin is. It's so gross. Yeah, I don't use any gelatin, no added sugar. <laughs> what else is great about them? They're delicious. They're so yeah. good. So that's what we're doing. Okay. Well, first two things. One, I have so much respect for you because I feel like you are coming out with all of these ideas of how to be healthy when it was not popular at all. And I feel like we're labeled like the vegan like tree hugger. And it's like, yes, trees are good. We like to hug trees. But I feel like now it's so much more socially accepted. But you really did. Like I remember you speaking about this a very long time ago. And one I want to ask just, what inside of you gives you that strength to kind of go against the grain? Because that's, I think, very hard. Let's start there. And then I'll ask my second. Well, thank you for acknowledging that. That's very meaningful to me. And it hasn't been easy to do that along the way. But maybe I'm just have that sort of delusional, righteous. <laughs> like I knew with animals, it was like, I wanted to run around screaming. I did basically like rape, murder, fire. What do I have to do to get you to pay attention? And that didn't work at all. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. 
And I just couldn't believe that people didn't care because when I found out how animals were raised for food, couldn't leave the house for days. I was like so disturbed. I mean, I know it's so naive, but most of us really don't know. Most people have no idea where their food comes from. Oh yeah, it comes from a happy cow because there's a picture of a happy cow. Oh, like there's just chickens. Oh, they love laying eggs. It's normal. Cows love giving milk. What are you talking about? Like there's just, they don't think about it. They don't want to think about it. And there's no reason for them to think about it. All they're being doing is fed images that tell them it's okay what they're doing. And society keeps telling them it's okay. But I would challenge that 99% of this population, if they sat down and watched a documentary of how it's actually done, I think they would be mortified and they would not be able to continue. I mean, that's my experience. They would, and, and even if they don't give it up all the way, it would make them give it up more, right? Like I'm going to do as much as I can now, right? So I think it's just this thing where most people don't know. And I went around trying to, when I first found out, I couldn't believe that no one had told me. You know, I didn't understand that. Of course, they're not going to tell you. They want you to, they want you sick. They, they make money off of you being sick. They make money off of you purchasing their products. They don't want you to know. I live so simply. They don't want me using my, my gray water system, you know, that saves so much water from my showers. Beautiful. Feeds my fruit trees, my avocado trees. So going off, you know, because of my showers that I take very, and I take such little showers because I'm still mindful of the water. I barely purchase anything because I reuse, reuse, reuse my clothes. I buy used clothing. If I can't find what I want used, I buy, you know, environmentally sound, conscious, sustainable companies. Like I'm not your average consumer. So they, that's the thing. They don't want you to know this stuff, right? So yeah, going against the grain was hard. I was made fun of a lot. I was told to silence it a lot. But, you know, I just knew that it was right. Later on, I found a better voice for how to articulate not to run around screaming rape and murder. But I, you know, my book was really that. My book was an opportunity for me to share all of this information. And if you want it, you can have it. And all of that is not in my book. I'm not screaming rape and murder. So you don't have to worry. (laughs) I'm just saying, hey, you want to feel amazing? You want to look the best you've ever looked in your life and feel your best and have spontaneous fits of joy and reach your goddess potential or God potential that you deserve? Like, come on board, check it out and see what you think and just take in this information. Here's the secret how to do it. And that's all I'm offering. But it was was a journey to find a way to communicate this without you know, to be also in a, with humility because everyone's in a different place and not everyone has access to this information. A lot of people are just trying to put food on their plate. They're not trying to figure out what food to put on their plate. Unfortunately, the food they're putting on their plate is actually killing them. So they need to know. No, no I think it's so important. And also, I think so many people don't know that they don't feel good. Like they've kind of accepted this like yeah. mediocre way of feeling. And then when you feel good, you're like, oh my God, I could feel like this. Like I could wake up with energy and just go through my day and feel vibrant and alive. Like this is amazing. You're really, really right. That's something I often have said. And I think you're so right. I mean, you don't know until you know. That's the thing. You have that in my book. I talk about that, that going on that, like give it, try a week. Just try one week of living this way. 
follow all the recipes, follow the, you know, follow the guidelines, do the best you can. And after a week, see how you feel. Because I know that when I've, even when I've done a really good cleanse or even when I've, you know, been on a vacation with my son and been eating crazy food, lots of sugar, all the things, right? And then I come home and I eat that first healthy, great meal. I feel instantly better from that one meal. Like it changes you. And then another one and you're like, whoa. And then by the you've done like two days, you're like, I'm amazing. Life's good. Life, life was terrible five days ago. I was so depressed. It changes your mood. It changes how your body moves. It changes everything. So much depression. And I'm not saying that depression isn't a real thing. Of course it is. But the low grade, normal, everybody in the world not feeling so well all the time, that kind of depression, that is manageable through food. And so much of it is like, because I know that I feel amazing when I eat clean. And when I start playing too hard, too fast, too much, I feel it. I get, you start to feel like everything just feels a little harder, worse, not so happy. Okay. So you have launched a podcast, The Real Heal. Can you walk me through one, why you started it and two, just your mission for it? What's your goal for the podcast? You know, there's so many people that are doing such wonderful things in the world. It's so, that's so heartwarming, right? And I want a place where I can explore more of all of this the, and not just food, all the subjects. Basically, I'm asking the question of all my guests and in the conversations, what we're exploring is, how are we really truly going to heal ourselves, our communities, and our planet? Like, what is it really truly going to take? And those are the questions we're asking. And so in the first episode, I talked to my, one of my bestest, bestest friends, Mary Walden, who is a clinical psychologist in Chicago. And we talk about love and just what does that really mean? What does it mean to love ourselves? What kind of love? How do we do it? you know, sort of practical conversation about trauma and love and healing. And then another episode is about loving our bodies. How do we learn to love our bodies or just accept them? How does, what does that look like? And another one is with Serena Williams, trainer, and uh, with Kevin Smith, the um, awesome, iconic, you know, filmmaker. And he talks about how, you know, he, well, Mackie talks about why Serena and Venus eat mostly plant-based food and why that's so healthy and why all that, how it helped them with their tennis games and their, their health problems, really. But Kevin talks about how he had a heart attack and almost died and what he did to, to solve his problems. And then I talked to Pinky Cole from, um, she's in Atlanta, Georgia, and she has a company called Slutty Vegan. And basically, she's a warrior. She's, feed, she's fixing the food deserts. And she goes into communities where they're not, they don't have access to uh, good food at all. They're sort of, you know, deemed not interesting to, to uh, businesses. And she just rebuilds the community through, through this amazing vegan burger joint. And when you're there, the energy is so alive. Anyway, talk to her. She's so fun. And if you're in Atlanta, you have to go slutty vegan because it's just fun in there. The music's pumping. It's like a dance club. And then... Um, who else? Ed Begley Jr., Zach Bush, you know, just having conversations even about foraging, how to find free food, how to eat as local as possible, but also just like eating from your garden, eating from your walks, like figuring out that kind of stuff. But really just the main question we ask in each episode is, oh, talking to Peter Singer from 
Peter Singer is the author of all these incredible books. He's He was part of the animal movement in the 70s in a big way. He wrote really powerful books. And he was an ethics. He was a, an ethics major in college. And he sat down with this guy who said to the, they were going through the lunch line. And the guy said, his, his other ethics student said, I mean, they were both students, says, is that vegetarian about the lasagna or something? And then this really stuck with him. And he was like, why are you asking if it's vegetarian? And so they sat down and talked about it. And the guy explained to him why he was vegetarian. And this really messed with Peter Singer's mind because he's an ethics major. So now he's having to like really look at the ethics of what this man is saying. And he tried so hard to make it not true, but ultimately came to the conclusion that he had to eat differently if he was going to be ethical. And he is amazing because he's also feeding the hungry all the time. PETA and him are feeding the hungry in India and all over the place. So, you know, it's fun to learn because I think sometimes people think that animal people just like animals. And I don't think they realize that it's a way bigger picture than that. Like I've been accused of it over the time. I remember people would say like, why does she only care about animals? Only care about animals? Care about everyone. I care about the whole pie. I'm so empathetic. My empathy is off the charts. So that's the problem. But the thing is, is none of you care about animals or the earth. So who's going to speak for them? And then the people that say they care about cancer, all they're doing is funding cancer research, which gets absolutely nowhere, right? Because we already know that if you just eat well, you'll probably be able to get rid of most of it, right? Sometimes there are environmental toxins that create cancers too and emotional things that can do that too. But in general cancer, heart disease, diabetes, your chances, odds of getting those things when you eat a plant-based diet diminish by your, your odds go down so much. So that's worth it alone, right? Yeah. Sorry, but like how little doctors have to study nutrition. I think it's one semester. And when you go to the doctor, like a normal practitioner, it's very rare that I've ever been asked, how, what do you eat? How much no. water do you eat? What's your diet like? It's like, never. No, I remember my allergist called me and said, why did you stop coming in for your shots? Because I went twice a week. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been in a year. He's a really nice guy. And I said, oh, because all my symptoms went away. He said, but what did you do? I said, I went vegan. He goes, oh yeah, I hear that works. <laughs> and I said, why didn't you tell me? He was like joking. Because heck, I wouldn't have a business, would I? And I was like, Wow. I mean, he is he was joking. I don't know that he really meant it. You probably just didn't know enough about it. But to your point, they're not taught. None of these doctors know. I mean, I remember being on set and the set doctor came. This is a fun little story. A set doctor came. I had a strep, I had strep throat or something. I got sick. I'm on set and the set is saying I have to take antibiotics. And I'm saying I'm not taking antibiotics. I was like 25. Set doctor comes down and she says she needs antibiotics. This set doctor opened up her little bag and it was filled with candy bars, sugar, you know, junk. And she smoked. And I was like, interesting. So I'm supposed to listen to this woman who knows nothing about health at all. She knows about how to diagnose something. Yeah, I do have strep throat. Thank you for telling me that. But she doesn't know how to heal it. She just wants to give me drugs. So I said, all I need is one day off. I'm going to go home and sleep. I'm going to take all my magic potions. I'm going to make all my healing foods and soothing broths. And I'll be back tomorrow and I'll be fine. But it's just, it's a funny thing, our, our culture. So yeah, they don't know much about 
They don't know no. anything about healing. And sometimes they do, but very rarely. Yes, very rarely. I mean, my mom was in the hospital very ill. And I have to tell you, it was a hospital in like San Diego area, uh, La Jolla, Escondido, that kind of thing. And I have to tell you, two separate doctors not knowing me at all came in and told me to my mom, it was not very appropriate because at that point there was nothing she could do. But he did say to her, like, everything would be better if you went vegan. And I was like, what are you saying? Who are you? And then, yeah. And then, and then another was a cardiologist. So that was the, that was the surgeon who told her that. And then the cardiologist, another day I was in the cardiologist department. And this wonderful doctor said to her, um, it's, you know, I, I'm studying the heart all the time. And the best thing you can do is go vegan. I've seen, he doesn't say that. He said plant-based. So that hospital hat was with it. There was a lot of people there. Yeah. Your mom was like, Alicia, did you pay them off? <laughs> I know. It was very strange. She, she barely even noticed what was going on. But I was like, you don't even know me and they're saying this. And there's, I also speak to a gastroenterologist um, on my podcast who's, who changed her entire practice to be plant-based because of the exceptional results she was having. Amazing. So something that I ask a lot of people, women, because I only interview women, but is this idea of feeling the need to have it all together, the societal need to feel like you have everything together. But with you, it's probably like times a million being in the public eye and growing up in the public eye and now like you know, standing behind something that might be controversial and all of these things. How do you feel like you've been able to overcome this feeling of maybe needing to have it all together? Well, I don't necessarily feel it from outside. I feel it inside. We, I feel like we put our, for me personally, I can get very overwhelmed and I get overwhelmed because I have expectations, unrealistic expectations about what a day looks like. I mean, really simply, to me, what I'm about to tell you is like one of the greatest secrets, second to being vegan, secrets of my life. And it's probably so obvious to most people, but maybe it's not. You tell me. So for so much of my life, I was like, I mean, so imagine how much is incoming, like requests, demands, pressure, choices, make a decision right now, this huge life decision right now that, you know, and, and they're all good things. Like, you know, all good opportunities, people wanting my help with the earth or animals or whatever it is, but it's a lot and it always has been. And when I was younger, I, I remember feeling like I had no trunk, like every, all my limbs been plucked and I had no trunk, no roots. But over time I grew roots and that was through my diet. That was through, you know, really trying to take care of my, mostly my diet grew roots pre-diet, no roots. I mean, I was just like about to fall over. And over time, I really got, I started to appreciate the idea that if I don't have really strong roots, the whole canopy is going to fall off, that there's no way. So I started, you know, I used to think I had to do every single thing that every single person asked me to do. Because you, know, you, you want to do good and you want to help. And it, but I was not taking care of myself at all. And I didn't even matter in the equation. And it was until I kind of, started to understand that it's not even, it's not like, because I thought that was selfish to focus on myself in any way, shape or form. But when somebody reframed it for me and was like, you literally, this is a non-negotiable. You won't be able to do what you want to accomplish and do for others if you don't take care of yourself. It's that oxygen mask thing. And that was a big learning for me because I did not know that. 
So that that's not the secret I'm getting to. The secret I'm getting to is my problem is that I didn't understand how to work with a calendar that literally like, if it's not on the schedule, it won't happen. So I would have the, I have these long lists of what I need to get done in a day. Sometimes it's 300 things, okay? 300 <laughs> things you're going to get done today. That's not possible. Yeah. So when I take, this is my big secret. When I take, it takes a long time. It can take a half hour, it can take an hour. At the end of the day, it can take even two hours sometimes, which is really annoying. But to process all the new incoming, all the already existing, all the calendar, I, I call it admin, which I hate, but you have to do it. And when I do it and I sit there and I go, okay, this is all the incoming. This is all my calendar says. And this is my list of what I need to do. Now let's go 7 a.m., 7.30, 8, and literally plug it in. Sometimes I realize I literally can't do any of it. I've already, the whole day's already gone. So then I just have to call everybody and go, none of these things are getting done. But when I do that, when I put it all in and it all has its place in the day, I walk around with a swagger like nobody's business because I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting everything that I set out to do done. Yes. As opposed to feeling like this endless list of just like, because you can do things, but you don't even see it getting off the list because the list is so long. So that's my biggest secret is to take the time the same way that you need to take five minutes the night before to plan where your good meals are going to come from. Because that's number one most important is where's my food coming from? Where am I going to get my good breakfast? Where am I going to get my good lunch? If you don't have those things answered and planned the night before, chances are it's going to mess up. So that's really critical. My second biggest secret is how do I... Because that, that one will help you sleep. That will help you feel good. It'll help you get reach all your goals. The other one is just to take a however much time you have to do. Most people probably don't have two hours of admin that they have to do at the night, but some people do. So, you know, just making that specific plan so there's no guessing in what... And that doesn't mean there isn't room for flexibility. It just means you have a realistic idea or I have a realistic idea of what actually can be achieved that day. Yes. It reminds me of, have you ever heard the quote, what gets measured gets managed? No. Yes. It's that. You're measuring it so you can manage it. Do you do that? Is this obvious? Is this something you learned in high school? No, this is not obvious at all. I don't do this, but I feel crazy most of the time. I need this. Like yeah, this it, is it, it's good. game changer. It's game changer. Yeah, it's I still good. don't do it every day. And when I don't do it, I feel the pain. Yeah, there's just so much. And it's like personal life and drink enough water and eat enough of the healthy things and then respond to this person and be a good friend. And oh my God, I'm like, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So that's how I do it. And I and the other biggest thing is just reminding myself I'm gonna fail at a lot of things because I have to. I want to be an amazing mommy. I want to be present for my boy. Luckily, that's big check. That I have covered. You fuck that down. That part <laughs> down. But I also <laughs> want to take care of myself. And I'd also like to date. And I'd also like to go out with my friends once in a while. And I'd also like to respond to the 7 million requests. You know, so it's sort of, it's what I have to know is something's going to have to fail at all times, right? So... What I won't let fail is my kid. And then everything else, I'm just trying to realize, like, what am I willing to fail at? You know, and it's not failure. That's, that's not the word. It's fail, like accepting this life is so short. Yeah. There's a really good book I listened to that I liked called 4,000 Weeks. Well, and 
it's really disturbing in some ways because it's, it's not intended to be, but if you're like me, it's just, it makes you so aware of your mortality, how soon, how short this all is, this experience. And, and also when you lose a parent, you become really aware of how short quick this all is. So I think really getting clear on how you spend your time and not putting pressure on yourself to be able to do so much. Of course, I want to write my next book. Of course, I want to do more podcasts. Of course, I want to do all the acting jobs that come along. But I can't. I have to I have to be able to get master one thing and push it aside until the next and then allow the next thing to come in. So these people who do it all, they're definitely failing somewhere. Unfortunately, they're probably failing on their kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. We don't see that part. You know, I'm like, I don't know. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like how can you, we can't do it all. We just can't. Well, the big reality check was before I had a kid, I still was struggling with all of this, but you had way more hours in a day because once I had a baby, my hours significantly dropped to like, you have maybe four hours to yourself once your kid is in school, maybe, maybe five or six, but when you have a baby, you have none, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really yes. that reality of if you think that you can continue, which I was delusional about, oh, I can continue to work as hard and get as much done when I have absolutely zero time to do it. That's the brain. It's like, what are you talking about? There's not any time. There's not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first, thank you for making time of all of the things on your list. Thanks for adding in the Womaning Podcast. I have one more question for you. Yes. What would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who's wanting to start her own business? Well, I mean, there's my personal advice and then there's practical advice. My personal is really check in with, is this really necessary? Is what you're creating another thing that's just using resources and not responsible resources? That's my personal plea is that your call to action is something that we need and is done responsibly so that it's not causing any problems. You know, you're using responsible materials. It's really conscious. So that's my personal plea. But I would say that with that, when you do something from your heart and you truly believe in it, I think really good things come from that. And so that's kind of, the, I think, the secret to good business is building something that you feel so passionately about. Because if it's just a sort of business I mean, I hope that everyone who does that does, but I think that's the, the key is being mission-driven and being really passionate. That, that's the only really advice I know how to give because every business is so different in terms of what you're starting and how it goes. Like, I mean, where do you even begin? What advice would you give? First, I think that's such good advice. I think I would give the advice, ask yourself first who you want to be, like what kind of person you're trying to become, like your future self and the life you want to live and then create something you really care about that's in line with that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to meet you. I think this is going to help so many people. I think you're just so authentic and real and we need more of that. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. 
It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.